Hello everyone, it's Dr. Dave. Hopefully you're all doing well, enjoying yourselves, and you had a nice weekend. I'm coming at you from the Toronto Neck and Back Pain Clinic in Yorkville with your daily health update for Monday, October 1st, 2018. Going to talk a little bit about depression, anxiety, and autism. Going to talk about superbugs, not the superhero kind. Going to look at an Amazonian fruit, a little bit of a different part of the world for you. And we're going to look at the actual stats and some numbers behind sedentary or uh, an inactive lifestyle. We're going to look at chiropractic adjustments and how they improve lung function. And we're going to talk a little bit about a problem that happens to many people as the years go by. Talking about urinary incontinence. Not a fun thing to talk about, but um, it's very common and uh, there are some exercises and things you can do. So we're going to tap into those six areas, not going to treat, diagnose, prevent, or cure any illness or disease with our time together. However, by sharing some of this information, we might just touch on something that's valuable to you and help you make a good decision today to help steer your health in a better direction. Or if you're already pretty darn healthy, you can support that health and keep it that way for as long as possible in your life. That would be very cool. Sometimes when people come into the clinic, very challenging to deal not with their condition but with the human and uh, that just goes uh, the same with anything I think is we all have to find a way to get along and um, one of the toughest things to deal with and trying to make somebody feel better even though it may be related to a healthcare problem is just in general making them feel better and um, we've had some people who have been diagnosed somewhere on the autism spectrum disorder and um, they are more commonly uh, suffering from depression and anxiety. And this uh, study in the Psychological Medicine Journal, September 2018, supports that. It says, using data from 35 studies published between 2000 and 2017, research estimated that nearly one in four adults with autism spectrum disorder currently have depression, while 27% suffer from anxiety disorder. So that's uh, a quarter, give or take, in both situations that are either depressed and or anxious to some degree. And that's a complicating factor when it comes to things like back pain, neck pain, headaches, or any other health condition. There's increased likelihood of that problem becoming a chronic problem. But I think that um, it'd be interesting to see what portion of the population actually suffers from either depression and or anxiety. And uh, maybe that is slightly higher, however, to some degree, I think because the world is what it is these days, it's not an easy world. We all have things on our to-do list, we all have challenges that uh, that could very well be the case. And uh, for most patients that we see, and I think my colleagues might agree, although I don't want to speak for them, that um, helping people navigate this crazy world of ours becomes part of our mandate. And uh, we try to do it, of course, within our um, our profession, whatever it is that our uh, practice uh, capabilities are. However, uh, the reality is that we're all dealing with this as a component of whatever health presentation they have, uh, especially if it's a pain-related problem. So just an interesting note on that, and uh, it's very, very good to find a different kind of healthcare provider to help support the improvement of any kind of depression or anxiety, especially a diagnosis of such, so that a person can live with better quality and a longer, healthier life. 
So we've seen it in movies, and uh, you might be uh, uh, thinking you kind of get immune to it because you've seen it, but has it really played out? Like, what, what's the big deal with these superbugs? Well, apparently they're spreading in hospitals. So there's three variants of the multidrug-resistant Staphylococcus epidermis, epidermida, epidermida, Epidermitis, uh, that bacteria that have discovered in samples from 78 hospitals in 10 countries. It's suspected that the superbug is spreading rapidly due to high use of antibiotics in intensive care units where patients are routinely prescribed strong drugs. Researchers add that this highlights that the use of more and more antibiotics is driving more drug-resistant bacteria. With all bacteria in a hospital environment, we are driving more resistant strains, and there's no doubt that antibiotic resistance is one of the biggest dangers to hospital care worldwide. That from the Nature Microbiology Journal, September 2018. So if you notice that uh, you have some kind of illness, fever, not doing well, I think that... um, it's challenging these days to know whether or not that's something you should see a healthcare provider about. A lot of times our body can handle um, anything that we're exposed to in terms of bacteria and virus. It just needs time and uh, a healthy environment to take a break, let your body heal, eat really good, eat really well. But um, sometimes you can tell that there's something different about some kind of infection or, or something that you're not feeling well, fever, uh, it just hits you differently. That may be something that you want to get an opinion on. doesn't necessarily mean you need to do anything yet uh, in terms of intervention, but you, you definitely want to get checked to just to make sure that you haven't somehow been exposed to one of these. The likelihood is still probably small, unless, of course, you've been in a hospital um, then or and or traveled to different parts of the world, then uh, maybe it's possible. But nonetheless, uh, always good to seek it attention from a healthcare provider if you aren't feeling well and you feel something particularly different or off about that. Now people who are trying to lose weight and people who are generally not necessarily as healthy as they like to be are susceptible to some crazy claims. They're susceptible to you know miracle cures, uh, products, uh, spending their money and time doing things that are a quick fix, silver bullet kind of approach. And uh, you want to be cautious. And, and this kind of uh, thing that we're going to talk about is uh, similar to that. Uh, and it's an Amazonian fruit that can help prevent obesity. But in this study, researchers found that can, consuming camu camu, a fruit native to the Amazon, improved glucose tolerance and insulin sensitivity and reduced blood endotoxins and metabolic inflammation in mice that were fed a high sugar, high fat diet. The findings suggest that camu camu phytochemicals may play a role in the fight against obesity and metabolic disease, but further studies are needed to determine if such benefits would extend to humans. That from the journal Gut, July 2018. So uh, it looks like the jury is still out, not quite sure. There is some physiological evidence uh, that camu camu can have an effect uh, on the metabolism, but uh, not so much necessarily in humans. Um, but that they're, it's warranted to find out and see what would happen. And um, maybe some people have already anecdotally noticed the benefit. Um, and uh, hopefully there's some uh, proof to that before we all run out and try and buy some and uh, get all svelte and, uh, and thinner and maybe lose some of that extra weight that we're carrying around. But you never know, might be worth a try. Uh, but of course, uh, best to do that in conjunction with a healthcare provider. Naturopaths are usually pretty good if you're looking for some assistance in that respect. 
So one of the top three things we talk about on the health update is function, food, and fitness. Uh, Function is keeping every body part of yours operating at a high level for as long as possible. Food is, of course, supporting that function on the cellular level by making sure your body gets good water, air, and food into each cell. But the way that that happens is by uh, doing some kind of fitness or exercise or using your body, getting it moving. And now some statistics show that maybe we're not doing uh, so good at that globally. So nearly 1.5 billion adults worldwide face disease because of inactivity. Living a sedentary lifestyle has put more than one quarter of adults worldwide at risk for serious disease. Current guidelines call for at least 150, 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity or 75 minutes of vigorous intensity physical activity per week. Based on analysis of survey data, researchers report that nearly one-third of women and one-quarter of men worldwide failed to meet these levels in 2016, placing them at a high risk for heart disease, diabetes, dementia, and certain types of cancer. And that from the Atlantic Global Health Journal, September 2018. I think that these numbers, 150 minutes of moderate to 75 minutes of vigorous per week, um, is about 10 minutes of vigorous per week and about 20 to 25 minutes of moderate intensity uh, oh sorry per day um, and about uh, 10 minutes 10 to 12 minutes uh, of vigorous intensity per day it's it's uh, certainly seems doable it's a very small percentage of our time and yet uh, we don't uh, enough of us don't dedicate I think if those numbers were doubled it would probably be closer to two-thirds of the population that doesn't meet the requirement and I think personally that that number should be doubled and uh, we need to switch our priority from whatever else we're doing in life uh, to getting this movement into our lives because we live our lives through our body and if we don't support the function, food and fitness of that body then our experience is less than it could be and should be and uh, we're just setting ourselves up to fail with health problems especially those with modifiable risk factors like uh, fitness and those are the major killers in North America heart disease and cancer, but also now diabetes and dementia are being affected by that lack of activity. Another thing that affects many people as time goes by is kind of an embarrassing thing sometimes to talk about and uh, we never want to have to deal with uh, is uh, urinary incontinence. But what exactly causes that? That loss of bladder control or urinary incontinence is a common condition that becomes more prominent with age. Common causes include a weakened and stretched pelvic muscle in women following childbirth. Certain medications can cause it. Being overweight or obese, which increases pressure on the bladder and related muscles, can cause it. Urinary tract infections can be a source, as can be vascular disease and diseases such as diabetes, Alzheimer's, and multiple sclerosis. In many instances, urinary tract infections can be treated with simple exercises and bladder training, though serious cases may require more invasive approaches. That from the Health Day Journal, September 2018. This is one thing that's probably safe to um, look up online, to Google some uh, bladder exercises, bladder training, but just make sure you have a proper diagnosis to know whether or not your case is serious enough they may warrant a more invasive approach it may need some medical intervention um, and then uh, versus those that is more of a DIY situation so um, looking to improve that if you have some problems with urinary incontinence there is hope but uh, work in conjunction with a good healthcare provider and or uh, put some effort into uh, some self-care and uh, you might see some good results 
Chiropractic is very well known for low back pain. Sometimes people use it for neck pain and headaches as well. Other joint injuries, muscle strains, those kinds of things from head to toe usually get pretty good results with chiropractic care. But because we deal with the spine and the spine houses your nervous system, there can be some spillover side effects and um, not always lock and key, 100%. Uh, results not always possible perhaps but sometimes it's just icing on the cake and sometimes we see people uh, for some conditions that fall outside of those musculoskeletal ones because there is some hope that there would be improvement and pulmonary function or the uh, how well your lungs are working is one of those things so spinal manipulation does it improve pulmonary function well Thoracic spinal manipulation may improve pulmonary function in stroke patients. In this study, researchers tested the pulmonary function of 36 stroke patients before and after they received either a thoracic spinal adjustment or a sham treatment. The participants in the thoracic manipulation group experienced significant improvements in forced vital capacity and forced expiratory volume at one second. That from the Journal of Manipulative Physiological Therapeutics, August 2018. So here we're actually looking at uh, lung function, somebody uh, who's uh, hooked up to a respirometer of some kind, and um, taking those measurements actually see some improvement with the adjustment. Happens to be in stroke patients in this case, but uh, sometimes they can suffer shortness of breath after a stroke depending on the nature of the stroke, and here we see some improvement in that, which is kind of cool, probably because cause and source a little bit different for other people there may or may not be the same benefit but um, it's something that someone could consider looking into especially if they've done other things tried other things and they've seen no improvement in their lung function all right some good tips today there on the daily health update i'm gonna send you off with a daily quote from jb Priestley. says to different minds the same world is a hell and a heaven so a lot of what we deal with in life is based on perception Some people see the glass half empty, half full, but as long as you see the glass, you're probably doing okay, Um, and it doesn't hurt to find some kind of optimism in what we do day in and day out, creating those great experiences, and one way you can certainly stack the deck in your favor is to make sure that you're staying plugged into some good health information, making good choices for yourself as you go forward through your life. We hope that the Daily Health Update helps you do that. So today is the first full week of October heading into the fall. Great time to start focusing on taking care of yourself so that the winter is a good one. And um, we're going to send some more healthy information your way throughout this week. So stay plugged in. Share it with a friend or family member. Shoot them an email. Tell them to listen to the podcast. Tell them to sign up for the hard copy, the Daily Health Update. If you're not sure how to do that, feel free to reach out to me. You'll find me on social media and on our website at the Toronto Neck and Back Pain Clinic. We'll be happy to help you out. Make sure that every day is a good day as you're moving forward and trying to make it better. I'll catch up with you tomorrow on Tuesday. We'll chat then.